accusing you of? You just crucify him. And after questioning him, Pilate, who had judged many, 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 many people, that was one of his roles and responsibilities, said, I'm washing my hands of this. I find no fault in this man. He was a professional fault finder, and he could find no fault in this man. He washed his hands of it. And the Jewish leadership led the entire crowd in chanting out, let his blood be upon us and our children. And they got their way. And Jesus was beaten. He was flogged. They ripped the flesh off of his back, jammed the crown of thorns on his head. The soldiers of Herod Antipas had already, before he went to Pilate, had already beaten his face. And then he goes carrying his own cross. And then they, because he stumbled, he couldn't do it. They had so weakened him, they got Simon of Cyrene to finish the carry for him. They go to that place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, Calvary. If we say somebody is something cephalic, that means their head. That's the Greek word. Kephale is the Greek word for head. Golgotha is Aramaic, the place of the skull. Calvary is, we just switched a couple letters around and Kephale became Calvary. Calvary was the place of the skull and it was there outside the gates of Jerusalem that he, with the accompanying thieves, malefactors, was crucified. Not for his own sins, he had none. He stood before his worst persecutors, and they could find no fault in him. And he was crucified, and there, not only the pain inflicted upon him by the Romans and by Herod's people, but also, there came that point where it became dark and Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was, the judgment for our sins was poured out from heaven upon him. It was the invisible pain that Jesus endured from his holy father. His having taken our place, he became he took the judgment due to us. He took all the hell, all of an eternity on, in the lake of fire that was due to us was poured out on Jesus until he said, it is finished, it is paid in full. And then that was the sixth of the seven statements from the cross, and the seventh statement was, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus paid that price for us, and then, as we know, he was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. He has now all authority in heaven and on earth. He is the exalted Lord. He is the, what does he say in Matthew 28? All authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, if he's got it all, now I know you've heard me say this hundreds of times. If he's got it all, what does that leave to anybody else? 
all of the power Satan says he has or any of his minions or any of his human minions say they have is nothing but talk. If God allows them to bring persecution and harm into our lives, it is God allowing it. Why? Because it amplifies the gospel message. It also is an opportunity for us. This is the divine plan, folks. The more faithfully, loyally you walk with Jesus in the face of opposition, the greater your kingdom experience is enhanced. There is the basic plan. It is the inheritance of every Christian the instant they come to faith in Christ. But you know what? God says, I'm going to give you, I have an investment plan for you. And the measure by which you walk with me loyally, I, can I will enhance your kingdom experience forever and ever and ever. Well, in this letter to the Hebrews, <coughs> we have a congregation in North Africa. Now, I won't go into all this. The author of this letter is, I'm sorry, it's not Paul, it's Barnabas. Barnabas is the author of the letter to the Hebrews. The ancient church all uniformly taught that. He went to, to North Africa. He ministered to these people. He's, he's going to say into this, in this very passage, you, you comforted me in my bonds. He suffered persecution while bringing the gospel to them, and they stood with him in that. And they have been loyal. They have paid a, an enormous price because of their loyalty to Jesus, but they've, they've lost energy. They've lost energy. And so this letter is written as a letter of encouragement but also of warning from Barnabas to them that they are about to suffer loss of kingdom glory, of that extra investment package that could be theirs, if they do not resume their loyal walk with Jesus. And so we find this in chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sit, if we, and so he's including himself, Barnabas is. For if we sin willfully after we have, we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. He's saying there is no other redemptive sacrifice you can go to. There's only one Jesus. There no longer remains sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. You can expect God to take a step into your life of discipline. Just as any good parent steps in when their children are running astray, you step in, you set them straight, you exercise the proper discipline so that they will learn to walk that walk that will prevent them from being disciplined. And then he's, by the way, what is it that they are seeking? What direction are they being tempted to go? They are living in North Africa. There is actually a Jewish cult there, a kind of a weird Jewish cult that not only says, oh, you need to be loyal, neat and tidy, uh, Moses followers. You also, actually, we need, we need to be worshiping angels. Did you know that? We're supposed to be worshiping. Uh, where do you find that? 
They were a, a weird, but you know what? Anytime you take the gospel and either abandon it or dilute it by adding other things than simple faith in the work of Christ, we, we have a welcome with God based on only one thing, the work of Jesus Christ plus nothing. That's why God was able to take a murderous Pharisee by the name of Saul of Tarsus and forgive him and turn him into the Apostle Paul. That's why in the Hebrew Scriptures we find this murderous emperor of Babylon, Nicodemus. Excuse me, Nebuchadnezzar. I always mix those guys up. Nebuchadnezzar. This man had families wiped out and never gave it a second thought. And God turned him into a meek, humble worshiper of him. You read that testimony, Daniel chapters 1 through 4, I would encourage you. God took the least likely candidate on planet Earth and turned him into a worshiper of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 28, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that was a law in the book of Leviticus. If there was an accusation, there had to be, by the way, at least two witnesses with united testimony in order for the judges not to just to dismiss the case. That's why when the Jews tried to create testimony against Jesus, the only two guys they could get to with the United Testimony were the ones who said, well, he said he's the Messiah. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Even though they coached the others, they couldn't get them to do it. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses of how much that's if they've committed murder or adultery. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? He's talking about authentic believers who has counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. Do you think you are getting God's attention? You just poked him right in the eye. Do you think he's not paying attention? Now, at the same time that Barnabas is seeking to encourage these people, he is giving them a righteous, valid warning. God will not do nothing if you turn your back on your previous testimony for his son. If you back down from that, he will not do nothing. In the same way, you would not do nothing if one of your children went astray. For we know him who has said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a God who is fierce. Our God is fierce in his love for us. You can't stop God from loving you. You can be like Nicodemus, like Nebuchadnezzar. 
You can be like Nebuchadnezzar. You can be a wicked, 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 murderous tyrant. For God so loved the world, Jesus said. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the heir of all things, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Later, the author of that same, by the way, those are Jesus' own words. But later on, the author of that same gospel, John, wrote these words in 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. Let me give you some advice, folks. This is advice for me as well as you. Don't sin. Okay, all right, don't sin. My little children, these things I write to you that you might not sin. And if anyone sins, <coughs> we, John is including himself, have an advocate, a defense attorney with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous. We talked about an attorney here in one of the prayer requests. We talked about a righteous attorney who is really on the job getting a job. Jesus is a righteous attorney. We have an advocate, a defense attorney with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous, who is himself the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world, end quote. God has demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, as unlike him as we could possibly be, Christ died for us. This is a God who is fierce in his love. He is fierce in his mercy. He is fierce in his grace. He is fierce in his loyalty. He is fierce in his goodness. He is fierce in his kindness. He's also fierce in his holiness. Do not think that when God embraced us as our heavenly father, we were being embraced by a permissive parent. No, he is a good parent. He is a good parent. And when we as his children go astray, he goes after us, lays hold of us, takes us to the woodshed, and does what is necessary to put things in order to help us to what? Walk in obedience and blessing. And blessing. He is fierce in his purpose to walk us into as much kingdom glory reward as possible. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He is not distracted. But recall the former days, says Barnabas. Remember our experience together. Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, after the light of the world became your light, after you were illuminated, You endured a great struggle with sufferings. These people have paid a price. I would dare say probably greater than anyone in this room has paid. We are hearing accounts from around the world right now of persecution and its increase. They had paid that sort of price.
Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, a laughingstock, both by reproaches, people mocking you, and tribulations. You were brought through troubles, trials. And partly while you became companion of those who were so treated. You didn't go, oh, well, you know, that fellow Darren, he's being, I think I'll just kind of hang out over here. No. Instead, when you saw other fellow believers and worshipers of Jesus being mistreated, you stood with them. You came out publicly for them, and you started enduring what they were enduring. You were not shy. You were bold. You were bold to stand shoulder to shoulder with your fellow Jesus worshipers and trusters. Partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. You lost stuff. People plundered you. They robbed you, whether it was legally or illegally. Joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Joyfully accepted. Well, that's some kind of testimony, isn't it? Somebody robs you, and you say, that's fine. That's fine. When you just robbed somebody, when you just did, let's say it was a legal event. Let's say somebody dragged you before a pagan judge and they took, they fined you. They plundered your goods because you weren't worshiping the emperor the way you're supposed to be worshiping the emperor. And you were fined. And you took it joyfully why well you can take everything i've got you know what i've got kingdom glory i get kingdom inheritance waiting for me i just love the fact and he's been in our he's now it's been 20 years since he was here risham raj powdell and we've already talked about him numerous times where he the third time he was arrested this hindu brahmin priest top caste of islam of hinduism he abandoned Hinduism. He was in the most prestigious caste imaginable in Hinduism, and he abandoned Hinduism to follow Jesus. The third time of the 27 or 8 times he was arrested, they put a board against the side of his right knee. Well, we can't stop him from preaching. We can stop him from walking. And so they completely smashed his knee. The only thing holding the bottom of his leg to the top is the skin. But he walked around the mountains of Nepal for decades with that. Bro he walked out of that prison three months later. And those Hindu guards knew what they had done. You think Wur didn't get around? He was will all he Risham had to do to stop the persecution was sit quietly at home, fold his hands, and say nothing. Did he do that? No, he didn't. He went all over that nation. The former Hindu Brahmin priest, literally a god to them, who had abandoned Hinduism for Jesus, and he accepted the plundering of his goods. He accepted the 
arrest. He accepted the physical abuse. Okay, why is Risham not responding the way I would respond if somebody did that to me? What does he know that I don't know? Hmm, maybe I need to hear that gospel he's talking about. You accepted the plundering, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Hey, you bought into the God's investment program. <laughs> Whatever it costs you here will be more than made up for there. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. What is Barnabas holding before them? Kingdom glory is coming, and when it comes, it will have come forever. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. This is, I tell you what, folks, for most people, the Christian life is not a sprint. For some it is because they're towards the end of their life or God shortens their life because of their loyalty to Jesus and they die as martyrs. But the Christian life for most of Jesus' followers is a marathon. You have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. I have a wonderful story, and I think I've told this. I have a daughter. I cannot believe these words even coming out of my mouth. I have a daughter that runs marathons who wasn't even involved in any athletic stuff at all in high school and college, but she runs marathons now. And about a year ago, she was up doing a marathon through the three corners, starts in Oklahoma, goes through the uh, corner of uh, Kansas and into Missouri, and it's on the old Route 66. And they have, they would release these people based on what is your goal, how quickly do you want to run the race? And so they would actually start them off from the finish line in groups together. Well, my daughter Libby, was in this race and she was actually at the front but with each group they have a pacer who's running at exactly the right pace for the people to achieve their goal and about a mile short of the goal finishing the marathon she hears this voice behind her and it's the pace setter the only person in front of the pace setter is Libby and the pace setter said I've almost caught you and Libby turned around and got wide-eyed, and she poured it on. And she beat her goal by 17 seconds. <laughs> but it was the incentive of the pace setter behind her that pushed her hard enough she actually beat her goal by a whole 17 seconds. At, you need endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You may receive the promised reward. But if you don't cross the finish line, you don't get the prize. And then he quotes the Hebrew scriptures. For yet a little while, 
And he, God, who is coming, will come and will not tarry. When Jesus comes, he will have come forever, and the consequences will be eternal. Now the just, God's righteous people, shall live by faith. What is the core principle of the Christian life? Trust in God's self-declarations and trust in his promises. All those names of God, believe them, walk in them. All those promises that come out of his mouth, that come out that we find in the scripture. Believe. Let me give you a hint, by the way. Let me give you something you can do that will just bless the socks off of you. Can I, can I give you an assignment? Yes, okay. If DJ says amen, you better do it. Today is the 5th of May. Today, read Psalm 5, Psalm 35, Psalm 65, Psalm 95, and Psalm 125. Read five psalms a day. Start on the first of the month and do it that way, adding 30 every time. And on the 29th day, one of the psalms you would read would be Psalm 119, which is 176 verses. So you save that one for day 31, and you read it by itself on day 31. And you will have read the entire book of Psalms in one month. Now, let me, why am I telling you to do that? As you're going through, take your pencil and underline promises. Promise the book of Psalms of all the books in the Bible is just loaded. It's heavy with promises. And you have a right. Second Peter chapter 1, Peter says, God has given to us precious and magnificent promises that by these we might become partakers of the divine nature. The more we claim his promises, you know what? Look at that. That guy, Ed, he's looking just like Jesus. That guy, Jesse. That guy, that Dorothy. I see a family resemblance. They all have that Jesus look to them. But that's exactly what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. That we become partakers of the divine nature? What? How? By simply believing what God declares. And in every test, we believe the promise of God rather than the lie from the enemy and the world and our own fallen nature, our own flesh. Now, the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, the just shall live by faith, be blessed by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You want God's delight to be upon you? It's very simple. There's a way. Believe him and obey him. And God will just delight in you. God will just delight in you. Okay, Harold, you come on up here, and you bring that little baby with you. And you're going to do, this happened a couple years ago, except it was Dorothy and Judah at that time. Now, here's this guy, Harold. He's going to turn around, and he's going to hold this. Here's this little precious girl. She's, okay, here's this little precious girl. And look at that. She's been doing that in Harold's face all this time. And yes, see, that's our God with his child, with us. 
he delights in us in the same way that Harold has been delighting in this precious little girl. You may take your seat again. Thank you, brother. But see, isn't that what our God is like? Yes, it is. The just shall live by faith. That little child is what? She knows she's the center of his joy, his attention, and she's responding back. The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, ah, ah, Harold, ah, ah, ah. my soul has no, and Harold would say, I think I got a problem with this child. Here, you take him back, Jesse. <laughs> take her back, Jesse. We don't want to be handed off. We don't want to be handed off. We have a fellow, and he just shared this with us this morning. Floyd Hickman has a Bible with him that was given to him by his granddaughter, and it says, Grandpa Honey on it. That's his name, <laughs> Grandpa Honey, because he has spoiled her. He has looked with favor on her, and she is looking back with joy. That's what our God purposes for us. But we are not those who draw back to perdition, to destruction, to losing the reward we otherwise would have been able to welcome. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe, who walk by faith, by trust, to the saving of the soul, to the saving, the, and by the way, the word soul in the parlance of the first century Mediterranean world could not only just mean that inner person, it could also mean your life experience. The word soul, psuche, could be to the, we are of those who believe to the saving, the delivering of our life experience. We will be stepping into kingdom glory. In the context, what's Barnabas been talking about? Kingdom glory. When we get into the presence of God in his kingdom, wow, this is what the fullness of deliverance, of salvation, of redemption really looks like. Really looks like. That's God's purpose and plan for us. That's good stuff. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for anything. I shall not lack for anything. That's his goal for us. The only real hindrance in that, to that is us. Are we going to have sheep that hear are we going to be the sheep that wander? And Barnabas is telling us, the Holy Spirit is telling us, be loyal, be loyal, be loyal. Whatever price you pay now will be more than made up for in his presence. Let's pray together. Our Lord.